to Jeremiah and for others for filling in this morning as Trey is away on some well-earned vacations. They headed to the beach. And right before they got to Columbus um, last night, yesterday evening, they had a flat tire on the South Interstate. So had to change it and uh, spend the rest of the evening sitting at a, a tire shop trying to get it fixed, and they did get it fixed. And hopefully, uh, they're at the beach right now. Um, and, um, and hopefully they're enjoying themselves. Y'all pray for them if you would. Um, it's, good, it's good for our staff to get away and have a kind of refreshment with their family and spiritual refreshment. And so pray that the Lord would use that for that purpose this week uh, for training. And no more flat tires, too, we hope. Uh, real quick, let's turn, if you will, in your Bibles to the New Testament book of Ephesians. Uh, this is a letter, as you know, written by the Apostle Paul. We know that all Scripture is God-breathed and is given by inspiration of the Holy Spirit of God. And so when we say this was written by someone, this person or that person, in this case the Apostle Paul, we mean that that was a human instrument by which God divinely and perfectly put down uh, these words in the Word of God. And the Apostle Paul is that instrument this time writing to a church in a place called Ephesus and surrounding areas of that region of the world. Uh, he's writing them about their great salvation. Uh, to sum it up, mainly because they, they weren't convinced that they were really worthy of such a salvation. That they really could be included in such a great salvation. And the truth is, none of us is worthy. They weren't, and we're not. But by God's divine grace, by His mercy and love, He has made us to be born again to a living hope. That's what the Bible says. We've seen an example of that in these waters today. And he tells them all about the greatness of God's salvation and how to live in it. And we're drawing to the end of this book, this letter, to the sixth chapter of Ephesians. And we enter into a, a time of discussion about what we might call spiritual warfare. Uh, it's a powerful few verses, illuminating to our Christian walk. And it reminds me of an old cartoon I used to watch, uh, Bugs Bunny. I mean, some of y'all I know are familiar uh, with Bugs Bunny. Some of you may have been, but there was no words in it. I don't know. Uh, but uh, uh, Bugs Bunny was a rabbit. What kind of rabbit was he? A wascally rabbit, right? A wascally rabbit. He was a rabbit, and he was in a battle with other you know, mythical creatures, one of whom was the infamous Elmer Fudd. And Elmer Fudd would get in battles with, uh, with Bugs Bunny, and they would take from each other, and Bugs Bunny would take Elmer Fudd's garden, and Elmer Fudd would come and take it back from him. And Elmer, uh, Bugs Bunny is uh, quoted as saying this. You may remember this. He said, and I'm not even going to do the voice, so don't worry. Uh, <laughs> he said, of course you know, this means war. Right? You took my carrots, I mean, you, you, took, my, you took my place, you, you put dynamite in my hole and blew it up. This means war. You've taken from me something that I desperately wanted. And so we come to a passage of Scripture today where uh, the Apostle Paul is telling us, where God's Word is telling us, that if we enter into the Christian faith, this means war. Because we've taken from someone... Something that he badly desired. We've taken from Satan, and this text calls it the devil, our very souls. I'm proud of you, Amanda. I don't know where you are in the building, but I'm proud of AJ this morning. 
and many others who've walked through these waters recently and given their life to Christ and, and showcased the death of their old self and the new life that God has created within them. That means something. That means you were transferred from the dominion of darkness to the kingdom of the beloved Son of God. And the dominion of darkness is not happy about it. And so Amanda, as your blessing for this day, let me just say this means war, right? Uh, it's not encouraging, but it is truthful. We've got to be ready for that. And so the Ephesian letter wants to, to put us on a firm footing for what's coming at us. And so let's look at this together. If you don't have a Bible, these words will be on the screen. If you don't have a Bible in your life, you don't want anyone leaving here today without a good, reliable copy of God's Word. We have those for you on the table in the back. There's no cost to you. Uh, it's just a gift from our heart to yours. And so you take one. <laughs> verse 10 of chapter 6, and we'll read down to verse 13. Finally, the letter's closing, it's coming to an end. Here's some final words. Finally, be strong in the Lord and in the strength of his might. What's our source of strength for this? It's not ourselves. Be strong in the Lord and the strength of his might. Put on the whole armor of God, that you may be able to stand against the schemes of of the devil. For we do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Now the heavenly places here, we, we talk about heaven, we think of the place we go, the divine preparation that God has made for believers after this, after death, or upon the return of Christ. Uh, we think of a good place when this mentions the heavenly places, it, it simply means the spiritual realm or the cosmic realm, the, the unseen uh, spaces of our existence in which angels and demons and, and the, 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 the Godhead and demons and, and Satan work together. Uh, it's the heavenly places, uh, the, the, the spiritual forces of evil in the spiritual realm. Verse 13, therefore, because of this, Take up the whole armor of God that you may be able to withstand in the evil day. And this is the evil day. And having done all, to stand firm. We have to look at this together because the Bible is telling us to, to do something specific. Stand firm. Be ready. We need to know what kind of enemy the devil is. What should Christians be prepared for when we're fighting this battle? There are four descriptions I want us to look at today. First, Christians, in the form of Satan, in the form of his demons, Christians face a fierce enemy. Make no mistake about it, Christians face a fierce enemy. How do we know this? There are certain clues that just jump out at us, at us from the text. Uh, the warning itself in the beginning is enough for, for us to know this. Finally, what do we have to do to be ready for Satan? We've got to be strong in the Lord. And in what? In the strength of his might. It, to, to stand against the evil one, we have to have a great strength. And so what kind of enemy are we probably facing? A great enemy. The next, the next verse says similarly, put on the whole armor of God. What are we going to need to be able to face down this enemy? The whole armor of God. 
And so what kind of enemy is this we're facing? This is a fierce enemy. This is an enemy that, that will attack wherever he can. This is an enemy that is too great for our strength. We've got to make ourselves strong in the strength of the Lord. Kathy Kemp uh, here in our church uh, as our church secretary. And I love her dearly and, and just treasure her. Uh, and uh, uh, I, if she ever leaves, I don't know what we'll do. Don't leave Kathy. But uh, anyway, <laughs> love her. And the church is blessed with her. But, but we have a struggle over the thermostat at the office. You probably know this. <laughs> Kathy is cold nation. I'm the opposite. And so uh, I'll come in and she'll have that. Yeah, there it is. She'll have that thing cranked up to 74. Uh, and I'll come in, I'll crank down to 68. And all day long, I'll start feeling hot. I'll go out there, 74. I'll set it down. She'll start feeling cold. She'll go out there, 68. And so uh, I was going to show you this. I, I ordered a sweater for her. Uh, and uh, I thought she'd be so happy. You know, to get this. I'm just kidding. Now, this is not her. This is not a sweater I got from her. But the point I'm trying to make here is you only wear something like this when it's what? Really cold. And it's only necessary to put on the whole armor of God, uh, to, 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 to get the strength of his might to need these things when the battle is very fierce. And so Christians, we face a fierce enemy. He is fierce in his strength, but he is also fierce in his wisdom. What, what does the devil do here? We have to be aware of the schemes of the devil. This means trickery. This means wiles, W-I-L-E-S, if you have an older version of scripture, the wilds of the devil, like the wily coyote, the, the shrewd, the, the sneaky enemy, the devil. He's fierce in his wisdom. Uh, in fact, the word devil means uh, diabolos in the original language. We get our word diabolical from that word. The word devil brings us our word diabolical. He is a sneaky he is a wise enemy. He's fierce in his wisdom. This means deceiver or slander or accuser. Satan is very convincing. He is very able in his craftiness as he comes against believers in Jesus Christ. I think of it as somebody who knows their spouse really well. If you've been married a long time, you know your spouse. You know which buttons to push to make them angry. Sometimes maybe you do that on purpose. I have a few buttons. My, one of mine is uh, when someone takes out the garbage and doesn't replace the garbage bag. Anybody have that at your house? You take, yeah, the girl has that. Uh, you take something, an old cup of spaghetti sauce or a jar of spaghetti sauce, a cup of yogurt, you open the trash can and throw it in there, you hear, you hear it at the bottom. And you look and that stuff is splattered everywhere, all over the garbage can, not the liner, because somebody didn't put a liner in that. You want to push buttons? You can do it if you've known somebody long enough. One of Erica's is this. This is a little gross, but um, <laughs> when somebody uses all the toilet paper and leaves just the bare little thing on there, you know how that goes? Somebody in our house does that. Um, and uh, you know how to push each If you live together long enough, you know how to push each other's buttons. How long has Satan lived with us humans? For millennia, right? For thousands of years. And at the beginning in the, in the Garden of Eden, he was already a master, wasn't he? And after all this time, you better believe 
that Satan knows how to come at the people of God. He is a fierce enemy in his strength. He's fierce in his wisdom. First Peter puts it this way in chapter 5. Be sober-minded. That means alert. Be watchful. Your adversary, the devil, diabolos, your adversary, the deceiver, prowls around like a roaring lion, seeking someone to devour. Resist him, firm in your faith, knowing that the same kind of suffering are being experienced by your brotherhood throughout the world. This enemy is operating throughout the world, and he is sneaky at it. The, 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 the words roaring and lurking, or, or roaring and sneaking, don't go together. I'm using the word lurking, I think. In the ESV, it actually says that uh, he prowls around. A roar and a prowl do not go together. Because a roar indicates where you're at. If I'm prowling around your house at night, guess what I'm not doing? Making a lot of noise. Here's what this means. Here's the, the, the prowl of a lion. A lion will roar in one direction. Alert you to his presence. Put your attention over there. And all the while, he is prowling in another direction. Satan is sneaky, and he is wise. Not with the wisdom of heaven, no. But he is wise to come after us. And one of the most effective schemes that he has is to convince Christians that the notion of him is a silly notion. Like Bugs Bunny. Like the wily coyote. It's some type of silly thing that he doesn't matter. And all the while he is working masterfully behind the scenes. He's doing this every day. We don't even like to talk about the devil. We feel silly mentioning him or, 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 or thinking, hey, this may have been the influence of some satanic force. But friends, we will never be prepared for an enemy that we think is a trifling enemy. We will not be armored against an enemy uh, that, that we don't think matters, that we don't think is strong. So being ready to live for Christ means being ready for this mortal enemy of faith in Jesus Christ. He is the enemy of our faith. And we don't have to be afraid of him, but we do need to be ready for the devil. But secondly, Christians face a spiritual enemy. For we do not wrestle, verse 12, against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly place, places. This is the main point of this whole passage here. And it, it basically just means this. You cannot do this on your own. We do not fight. Our battle is not against flesh and blood. It's not against other human beings. And so uh, human tools won't get the job done. A spiritual enemy cannot be defeated with human weapons. A spiritual batter, battle requires spiritual power. The power of the risen Christ. I don't know if anybody here, Star Wars fans, anybody... Like Star, old Star Wars. I was, okay, great. I was born in 1977, and uh, that's when all that was coming out. And every kid, uh, now I was an infant, but every kid at that time wanted a lightsaber. You know what that is? It's that magic sword in Star Wars. And it, like, it's made out of some power, right? And you pull it out and you turn it on. Who carried those? The Jedi Knights. And they tried to make some of those out of plastic, but it wasn't real, was it? And they tried to make them that extended all the way out. You could fling them out and uh, fight with them, but it wasn't real. Now you can buy some for like five, dollars $700 if you go to Disney World. I mean, it's supposed to be so realistic, right? You can go get that. Uh, but it's supposed to be so realistic, but it, it's not the real thing, is it? It's plastic, it's glass, it's a light bulb. 
Uh, it's not the real deal. Uh, you can't fight a spiritual battle with something that is not authentic, that isn't real. We've got to have the real thing. So if you want to be armored for this fight, you've got to realize we're facing a spiritual enemy. What do we do? What do we do to get these weapons, to get this armament? Well, practically speaking, we draw close to the Lord Jesus. The next section of this scripture is going to tell us later on about the armor of God and all that involves. But basically and practically speaking, we need to practice a personal, regular closeness with God. When we're facing a deceiver, we need to know what the truth is and how it stacks up against what we're being told by the evil one. If you want to be armored for this fight, you've got to go, basically. You've got to go to the armor all the relied on sources of power in our lost world are powerless against the devil. This is a spiritual enemy. But thirdly, Christians face an organized enemy. We face an organized enemy. Look with me at verse 12. If, you will, if you've got your Bible, go ahead and pull that out. Or you can maybe see it on the screen here. And look over this with me. There are four repetitions here. A fourfold repetition uh, that ought to draw our attention for just a moment. Well, if we don't face flesh and blood, but we battle against the rulers, against the authorities, against the cosmic powers of this present darkness, and against the spiritual forces of evil in the heavenly places. Why is this repeated four times in different language? Sometimes we repeat something just for emphasis, don't we? If I said, hey, it's, it's hot today. It's scorching outside. It's blistering. It's sweltering out here. I'm just saying over and over again the same thing. It's hot. I'm doing it for emphasis. I'm doing it for magnitude. But in this case, this is an organized layering of demonic offices presented here. It's, it would be more like if I said, hey, we face emperors, and we face kings, and we face princes, and we face governors. There is an organization in the spiritual realm, and the forces of darkness come against us in exactly this way. It's an organized way. The Bible uh, has other uh, sections of Scripture that attest to this. Some people believe that the organization may be even geographic in nature, that there may be a hemispherical uh, designation, and that it tracks all the way down to the places that you and I live and raise our families and that we work. This is an organized enemy. I was fascinated this week with the search for this missing submarine. Did anybody watch that? I mean, I just, every day I woke up thinking about that and praying for that situation and uh, watched it on the news and uh, saw the different personalities come out. If you noticed, this was a British ship on the bottom of the ocean, the Titanic, right? A British ship down there. So that, that country was involved. Uh, Canada was involved for some reason. I think there's the maple syrup, I'm not sure, but uh, the, the Canadians were involved in this. Uh, and um, we, had, we had passengers on the submarine from all over, countries all over the world. And so at the press briefings, there would be all of these uh, collected people and differing ranks in the American Coast Guard. And you would see a lieutenant in the Coast Guard with two bars. That's a lieutenant in the Navy of the Coast Guard. She came out with two bars on her collar. And then you see a captain in the Coast Guard. That's a full bird. In the, in the Navy of the Coast Guard, that's a full bird. Uh, the captain would come out and he would give a briefing. And then finally, at the, at the very end, a, an admiral, a two-star admiral came out. And he said, not only am I an admiral in the, he didn't say this, but not only is he an admiral in the 
in the Coast Guard. Uh, he was the commander of what he called the unified command for this search. Uh, he was the one that united it all. It was very organized. It was very impressive to see all this come to bear from all these countries all over the world and that the succession, the layers of command leading up to one person, two stars, who spoke and the whole thing worked like a mechanism. Our enemy, the devil, organizes his battle against you and me in this way. This is no enemy to be trifled with. This is not a horned red guy with a pitchfork, right? Uh, this, this is not a cartoon. This is very serious. He would love us to, to think he's nothing to be worried about, but he is something to be worried about. He comes at us with layers of command and, and geography and efforts in order to make you and me just dead, useless, dormant, comfortable, ineffective, powerless, lifeless, pitiful. He does it. And so let me ask you this. If you enter a battle and you see coming against you a, a whole army structured with command, if, if you're entering a navy battle and you see the whole fleet coming at you, are you going to go into that alone? You're going you're gonna to go into that battle all by yourself. You would never do that. Can you imagine entering that kind of warfare alone? Never. When the devil brings an army, you don't go by yourself. Do you see that? When the devil brings an army, you don't go by yourself. When you know you're facing down a fleet, you don't go out there in your little flat-bottom bass boat, do you? you don't, we don't do that. In this warfare, Christians need one another. We need to be together. We need that strength. One reason I believe that Christians all over are expecting they're experiencing such a feebleness in their faith is because we will not connect we will not dig in with a body of believers we need each other we face an organized enemy and we need that togetherness but lastly christians face a beaten enemy we face a beaten enemy this is a discouraging message so far we face a, a dark enemy we face a Fierce enemy, a spiritual enemy. We don't have the power on our own to do anything about it. We face an organized enemy that's bigger than us. But be encouraged today because we face a beaten enemy. Satan is beaten. If you remember in the first part of Ephesians, uh, uh, go back to chapter 1 and verse 19, speaking of the immeasurable power of Christ, here's what it says. And what is the immeasurable greatness of his power toward us who believe? according to the working of his great might that he worked in Christ when he raised him from the dead and seated him at his right hand in the heavenly places, far above, listen to this, far above all rule and authority and power and dominion and above every name that is named, not only in this age, but in the age to come. And he put all things under his feet and gave him his head over all things to the church, which is his body, the fullness who fills all in all. Christ has already defeated the exact self-same things that we are faced with in our spiritual battle. The battle has been already won. The Bible says that Jesus gives us, the, that God gives us the victory through our Lord Jesus Christ, that we are more than conquerors, that there is nothing that will separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus 
our Lord. The Bible tells us that the one who is in us is greater than he who is in the world. This battle has been won. Christians, we can fight from victory, not for victory. God has already made us victorious. When I was a young man, I used to mow yards with uh, my buddy Dale. Dale's been here in this church before. And we mowed a lot of yards. And one day, uh, out in Flintstone, Georgia, we were mowing a big yard that was woefully underpriced. We, uh, we gave him a great deal and shouldn't have, but we were mowing this yard, and uh, all of a sudden, I saw over there, Dale's lawnmower was sitting still. It's all by itself, and I thought, that scoundrel, you know? Here I am pushing this yard, and he's nowhere to be found. His lawnmower's just sitting over there, so I walked over to where it was, and all of a sudden, I started getting hit with yellow jacket stains. There was a reason he had abandoned his lawnmower. I went over there, and they were after me. They were fierce North Georgia yellow jackets. And so I started running. Guess what they did? They started running, too. You know, they started flying, uh, chasing after me. They chased me across that yard, I finally made it back to the little uh, Suzuki Samurai, actually, that we drove and our trailer. I made it over there, and, and guess who I found there, too? Dale. <laughs> Laying on the ground, puffing and puffing. Both of us, whelps all over. I mean, legs, arms, everything. They had really got us. And both of us were just standing there. Our, our hands were swelling up, and it was a bad situation. Uh, and I was looking all at this and thinking, I cannot believe that this has happened. And I looked at my stores for a while and examined, and then I looked over and I saw something. The gasoline can for our lawnmowers. And I thought, I know how this story ends. <laughs> so we licked our wounds for all along, we got the gas can. Guess you know what we, you know what we did. The yellow jackets were black jackets by the end of the day. We, we burned them up, right? Uh, we know, friends, how the story ends. We may still get stung by that enemy, He's still at work in our world. Uh, he still wants what, what you have. He, he still wants to, to take hold of this new life that Christ has given you and just render it useless and nothing for the kingdom of God. But in the end, we know the outcome, don't we? We know who wins this battle. We know that victory is our possession through Jesus Christ, and that is a reality. Nobody can take that from us. And the message of this section of Scripture is that you and I, as believers in Jesus Christ, already hold the status, we already hold the status of victors and conquerors because of what Christ has made us. And the charge of this passage is for us to fight like it. Fight like it. Live like it. Last like it. In fact, this, this uh, verse that we're looking at right now, verse 13, ends in kind of an awkward way. If, you, if you're by, you have different translations of Bibles, they're all translated differently, and they're all translated awkwardly in English. What that means is the translators of Scripture from the original language to the English language, they didn't know how to put this together. Some preposition was missing, or something wasn't there, or, or the thought, uh, it, it doesn't fully compute uh, with, with our language and they put it down as best they can and the English Standard Version here's what it says and having done all to stand firm uh, NIV says it differently King James says it differently it's, it, it's all different here's what it means I'm convinced of this just having done the research I'm convinced that the meaning here 
is that after it's all done, having done all, after it's all done, once the battle is over, when the dust settles, if you will, when the fog clears, we can be found what? Standing. The battle's going to be fierce. The battle, it, it may be hard. It may be organized. And it's, it's certainly bigger than us. But through the Lord Jesus Christ, everything is over with. There will be men and women in this room, praise God, and all over Christendom who are on that battlefield. Is anybody left? We don't know. Let's see what with, with, with the fog of war. Let's let that clear up for just a minute. All the dust clears to the ground. Let's see. And there will be men and women like you and me. We're able through Christ to do it who are standing there. The reality is ours already. AJ, Amanda, this morning, saved, right? If you place your faith in Jesus Christ, if, he, if you are born again from heaven as he has done, then you are saved, a victor and a conqueror. That's true of you and me all. But we sure can live a defeated life if we want to. And we can just walk around miserable. No armor. Nope. No nearness with God. We don't practice that. It's a good ideal, but it's just not something we do. No nearness. With, no togetherness with the strength of the people of God. Relying on our own tools, our own wealth, our own power, our own mechanisms. Not drawing near to the strength of God through Christ Jesus. We can live a defeated life. But the Bible, God, His heart for us here today is that we would live like the reality that we possess. Like so much of walking worthy, standing firm in this battle has everything to do with drawing close and staying close to God in your own personal, practiced relationship with the Lord. If you're not willing, if we're not willing to do that, then we will not be the people described here who are standing firm at the end. The battle does not wait. Why should we? Let me pray for us. Just a moment, I'll offer you a chance to respond. Maybe this morning there's a decision you need to make. Maybe you don't have any victory in your life this morning because you've never given your heart to Christ. Today can be the day you draw near to Him for salvation for the first time. We're not going to embarrass you. We'll stand with you and celebrate with you. We'll help you through that process as, as we've done many others recently. We can, we're here for that. Don't uh, ignore the voice of God if He's spoken this morning. Maybe today you are a believer in Jesus Christ, but you have not been walking in nearness to Him. You know that's true. In fact, you're just totally used to it. It's not even a new thing to you anymore. It's just a status quo for your life. You don't go to His Word. You don't seek Him in prayer. You don't worship Him with a pure heart. Uh, and you find yourself weak and miserable and defeated in this world. Maybe you turn to God today and you say, Lord, repair me, restore me, redeem me to what I'm supposed to be. God, this battle is waging. And in the end, when everything's said and done, God desires to be one who stands firm. Maybe you come to God on that basis today. 
maybe make have another decision you need to make today. We wouldn't stop you from that. Church membership, baptism, some other surrender you need to do with God. We're here for you. The floor is open. Heavenly Father, thank you for the word of God and for trusting it to us today. We pray you would help us. We study about our enemy this morning, Lord, not out of a weird curiosity, not to exalt him in this place, but because your word testifies it to us. And we want to be prepared for what you say we need to be prepared for. I pray that you would prepare our hearts today to walk worthy after you. We ask this in Jesus' name. Amen.